Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense for knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. I'm super excited today because in my brief chat before we hit record with my guest today, I just was like, wait, we haven't hit record yet. You can't start sharing all this beautifulness yet. I'm very happy that my guest said yes. So thank you so much, Catriona McDonald, affectionately known as Kat, for saying yes to coming on my podcast today. I'm so happy to be here, Heather. Thank you. Well, and I'm hoping that our connection stays good. So we'll see how this goes. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, I live in West Wales in the Tyvee Valley. It's a very beautiful valley, be- beautiful river that goes, meanders its way down and goes out to the sea a bit further south from here. And the Tyvee Valley and I are friends. Uh, the Tyvee Valley are swimming most days at this time of year. The doesn't have enough water in for me to swim in in the warmer months, but um, I often go and sit by her in the mornings. It's a favourite thing of mine to go and sit by her in the mornings and listen to what she has to say, which kind of brings me to uh, the work that I love to share in the world, which is called Re-Embracing Kinship. And the essence of the work is that it's about us as human beings remembering ourselves as one of the multitudes of kinds of life on this earth and in the work which I offer as courses a variety of different courses I basically share a methodology which allows people to begin to step back into what I believe is a much more innate way of being it's a kind of slower tempo of being where we start to experience ourselves as deeply connected into this all this life around us and open ourselves much more into an experience and a sense of the beingness of all these other beings that we share the earth with so that's why one of the things that I love to do is to go down and sit on the bank of the river here, the River Tyvee, and just allow myself to drink in the sound of her and, and her mood on that particular day, whether she's kind of flowing by like a kind of silk scarf or she's in a kind of gurgly, chuckly mood or whether she's got lots of rain in her from the mountains further up the valley and she's kind of bit more dark 
and Lowry in her mood. So, yeah, so that's essentially the work that I offer in the world. But I started out very differently. In 1989, I graduated as an osteopath from one of the training colleges in London. And I really wanted to work with animals. And so about halfway through my osteopathic training, it occurred to me that you could treat animals with osteopathy. Because mm-hmm. it just was so unusual back then that it hadn't occurred to me. And I can still remember being in the college and going down to the student canteen, which was down in the basement of this huge, tall building in the centre of London, near Trafalgar Square. And I was in orbit with happiness. And I remember going down to some of my friends who were sitting around a table drinking tea and saying, oh, I just realised you could treat animals with osteopathy. And they just kind of went, yeah, you probably can. Mm-hmm. and carried on drinking their tea. And I remember I was so excited I couldn't sit still because it felt like I'd, I'd kind of come across my, my kind of dream job. Mm. So when I qualified, I, I worked with people for a couple of years, just exclusively, and, and then I met one of the original horse physios in this country, and she kind of took me under her wing, and uh, she was an elderly lady at that point, and so... 70 and she was still riding her horses and still working and uh, she really inspired me and kind of helped me get started in that work alongside a few vets uh, veterinarians that I worked with so and then things began to kind of develop within the osteopathic practices that I did so I had experiences that my osteopathic training didn't really have an extra explanation for and so I started to meet people that were healers and seers and uh, began to get some training in the field of what we would I guess generally call healing work so I did a number of different kinds of healing trainings and began to in different ways bring that into my osteopathic practice um, where I felt that it was appropriate and useful So I have done osteopathic and healing work with people and with animals until very recently where I decided I was going to close my practice and focus entirely on this work, this kinship work as I call it, which I first started to offer in the world in 2014. Yeah, so that's basically what I do these days well and we talked briefly about this how aptly timed it is that you are kind of stewarding people towards connecting with with the greater of mother nature and everything that goes with her because we're in this time of covid and and it is making us more connected in some cases. I have clients who've picked up gardening for the first time and didn't realize how much they felt so good with their hands in the earth. And I have clients that are getting new dogs in their lives because, you know, they're home working now. And so it makes more sense to have a dog when you're home more versus at an office eight hours a day. And it's just really interesting to me that you were put on that trajectory in 2014 and kind of had the nudge 
to totally turn the page on the osteopathy chapter of your life and start doing this because I think there is a there's a need for a little more tipping because <laughs> I don't think we've learned all our lessons about COVID and Mother Nature and the need to get simpler lives as a collective. I think some people have gotten much simpler as we've gone, but I think as a collective, we still really enjoy our conveniences and we enjoy kind of, we pine for things still, I think, that aren't necessarily that good for us, <laughs> if, I, if I'm honest. Yeah. Be it media addiction or online addictions or and I mean I'm I don't own a TV but I definitely have an online profile and I am connected to watching things on YouTube to learn and hours that go by when I could just be picking up a book or going snowshoeing you know Mm -hmm. the screens have a mesmerizing effect so I'm really excited that you're drawn to stick your head up in the air and go excuse me there's another way (laughs) (laughs) yeah tell us more about the kinship side I think that what you have just spoken to you've used the word connection and how this COVID time has really pointed people towards or brought their attention towards what they're connected to. So who are we connected to in our community? And, you know, the lockdown rules, uh, meaning that we have less ability to, to be connected with those people in our social circles, in our families, all that kind of thing. And and also, yeah, just the way that COVID has kind of, like you just said, made us understand what we're connected into. So I remember when COVID first arrived here in the UK and people clocked that at the beginning of, so sort of March time, 2020. And I'd been away on a course and I came back and I went to the local food shop to get some food because I'd been away for nearly a week and and basically there was hardly any food in the shop and there was no cleaners and no toilet rolls and and uh, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day about how people have lost connection we've lost a connection with where our food comes from and where our warmth comes from and where our shelter comes from and then we make these other connections and I can share with you the thing about, you know, I don't have a TV either, but I, it's partly because I know I could get really addicted to a screen, you know, spending hours and hours and hours just looking at stuff on the screen. Yeah. Because there's this bit of me that has a longing for connection. And I remember way back in the early days of my osteopathic practice, Uh, I had this opportunity to go and help out at a wildlife rescue place Mm. where they took in injured wildlife and got them well again. And it was a very small, privately run. It was run by a family. They worked all the hours. There are seven days a week. They would be up in the night with sick animals when it was needed. You know, people would just sometimes rock up in the middle of the night and leave an animal in the yard and then disappear and they were always scrabbling around for you know money to pay vet bills and feed these animals and take care of them and they really worked hard and so I went along a number of times to help and offer treatments as an osteopath at that time and basically 
every time I was there, the next day I would wake up and I'd have a pain under my breastbone, sort of where we think of the centre of our heart. Mm-hmm. And a cough, which is really unusual symptoms for me. You know, we have, all have our things that we're prone yes. to. Yeah. And those are not mine. You know, I'm not really a test lung person. So at first I thought, oh, I need to wash my hands more. I must have picked up a bug. I washed my hands more and still the same thing would happen. And, and then I would think, okay, there must be some bugs in the hospital room. And so we did some more cleaning and I helped them with some things to support keeping the air clean in the hospital room because that was the sickest animals and uh, blah 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 still same thing happened and it was actually a colleague who was a voice and sound therapist we happened to speak to each other because we worked in the same multidisciplinary clinic at the time and we had to speak to each other about something to do with the clinic and I answered the phone and she said to me what do you need to cry about And it made me burst into tears, which was quite rare at that time. Mm. And I thought, oh, you know, that really touched something. What is that about? I didn't know the answer straight away, but it stayed with me. And what came up for me was my grief at seeing some of these animals that had been injured or found sick and brought into the sanctuary, cared for until they were well again, but for a variety of reasons were not able to be released back into their, you know, original place, we would call released into the wild. So there were raptors, beautiful raptors in cages that would be in cages for all of their lives, for example. And I realised that that was what was touching me so deeply Mm -hmm. and I articulated this in my head to myself as they've lost their connection to life and in my head the life was written with a capital L so that was one of those experiences in life that just kind of stayed with me and was a bit like I was going to say a thorn in my side or the grit in the oyster that makes the pearl. Yes. You know, it yes. was just this thing that stayed with me and I, I didn't have an answer for it. I couldn't, you know, how we can kind of take an experience in life sometimes and we decide that we understand it completely and we know it all and we've got it all sewn up and we've analysed it and, and we can kind of put it in a box and it goes in the filing system somewhere. And I couldn't do that with this experience. I just wasn't able to. I didn't know how to do that. And Mm. so it stayed with me. And it's one of the, if you like, the provocations that has brought this kinship work into being Mm. and meant that I really want to share it in the world. So for me, there has been so many questions come up for us and so many experiences that have asked us questions about what that connection means what does it mean to be connected to life with a capital l it's one of the things that we explore on the courses looking at what does it mean to meet this life that we are an expression of that we're embedded within that we are sharing as a particular kind of beingness within all these other kinds of beingness these multitudes of beingness that we share the earth with yeah what does it mean and how do we meet that life as our particular kind of beingness as a human being and our own individual uniqueness of being how do we meet that 
life, how do we come into connection with life in a way that means that that life can flourish and become more of itself in that meeting. Mm. So that's essentially where the work is taking us to and it's a an open exploration of what that means it's one of those questions like that experience of of those animals at the the rescue place that is not meant for me it's one of those questions you're not meant to find the ultimate answer to it's an answer which keeps revealing itself and which we are grown into we're grown by it we begin to be shaped by the answer and then there's more unfolding and more discovery and then the answer becomes more and more in us and in our lives and how we make those connections yeah i can really as you can tell (laughs) really uh, kind of resonate with you around this whole thing about the gift of COVID, you know, and I say that having had a friend who was very, very sick with COVID and nearly didn't make it, but I'm so happy to say is still with us on the planet. Mm. There's there's the two sides to the coin, and I'm, I am always aware that, uh, that there is that other side of the coin with COVID, mm. and from the people who are ill with it to the people who are caring for the rest of us and the people who are ill with it so yeah Yeah. people are either going 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 at a high stressed pace Mm. or they're still and some are enjoying the stillness and some are not but it's it's really interesting times and and yet the sun still rises and the sun still sets and the planets still move and the grass still grows and the snow still falls and all that still takes place regardless of what us humans are doing. And, and that to me is kind of where, where another balancing effect is happening. And so when you speak, there's so many layers, like you say, to what you're, you're trying to bring to the earth and, and bring to the human beings because mm-hmm. I don't think the other beings need it brought to them. They already know. But yeah, and maybe I'm assuming that because I'm not in your work. But the human beings of us who resonate with what you're saying, I I hope that they do reach out because it's it's one thing to be able to do it in a community, even if it's using those online platforms. Yeah, to know that you are connected with with like minds. I know this podcast has been a gift in COVID because I've met so many incredible people and I'm just excited to share people like you with, with the rest of the world. So yeah, it's, it is really interesting to have kind of someone who's a steward for, for all the other beings on the earth on my podcast. You're a first, my dear. It's lovely. Oh, wow. Yeah. Many, I hope. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, and I think Mm. that there's stewards for aspects of the earth, but I think your view is a little more global than some other people. So I think this is fantastic. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and (laughs) ask you, how does your intuition come to you? Oh, okay. (laughs) I feel like it speaks to me in, in a number of different ways now. So... In the early days, I remember when I was a young osteopath out there treating animals, mainly horses and dogs. So I would go and I would 
be, you know, often asked to have a look at an animal with what we would call a sports injury, you know, lameness or stiffness or something like that. Mm-hmm. So basically I would apply my osteopathic principles of diagnosis and treatment and come up with a treatment plan. And then I would um, do that treatment, offer that treatment, and then I would go back and hoping to see some improvement. And quite often there was, but, you know, periodically there wouldn't be. And so I would have a look again, apply the osteopathic principles of diagnosis and treatment, and I might adjust my treatment plan or I might decide that, no, I thought I was on the right track. So my threshold was third visit because I was really aware people were paying me for my work. And if I went back on the third visit and there was no change, I would do this thing where I'd think, okay, I'd have a look again. And if I still had no clue what to do differently, if I didn't have a kind of aha, oh, I've missed this, or I should have included that or something, I would just be standing there with, you know, scratching my head. And what I would do is I would just settle. And I would settle myself right down into my boots in my awareness. And I would allow myself to really feel the earth underneath me. And all the sort of anxious chat that you can have as a practitioner about, oh, I've got to get this right, and all that narrative that goes on. Mm-hmm. I would imagine lassoing it with my, like an energy lasso and bringing it right down into my lower belly and allowing that energy to be there and connected with the earth. And I would wait and I would wait with allow without a kind of a, a decision that I wasn't going to allow my mind to get into talking or analysis because it's already given it you know we'd already I'd already given it my best shot with my mind mm-hmm. and I would wait until something occurred to me and I would just get a kind of knowing in my body that would somehow percolate up into my mind and it would feel very different from the sort of machinations that go on in our heads when we're trying to work something out. Mm. Or that sort of jittery busyness of the mind. And it would feel very still and it would have this quality as if it had arrived somehow or arisen, if you like, somehow from somewhere. And... You know, one of the principles of osteopathy is that what you are a partner in, you're not doing treatment to a patient in order to make something happen. You are applying treatment techniques, but what you're attempting to do is to be in partnership with a wisdom and an intelligence about health and well-being that is much greater than my understanding as a practitioner. And so that was one of the early ways that I would connect with it and it required a lot of trust I would say because quite often the person who who was the caretaker of that animal um, or the trainer of this horse or something would be standing right next to me waiting for me to do something yes and so I would wait until I was moved and you know what was really interesting about that is that quite often what would appear to me would be something I would never have been able to imagine myself and I would learn something because I would then incorporate that intuitive knowing into my treatment and then without fail there was a good result 
and I would learn something as a young practitioner particularly about, oh, when you've got an issue here, you need to include there, you know, mm. and to start to understand these relationships within the body of a horse or a dog because even we as human beings or a horse or a dog is a community of beings as we're now beginning to really understand. Yes, um, yeah. All layers, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so that's one way. Also discovered just with being around the animals particularly and then it sort of overspilled, I guess, into my human practice as an osteopath, a sort of empathic feeling for the animals so again I could kind of settle in that way I described a few minutes ago and I could just allow myself to open up as a receiver and that's one of the things that we look at in the courses is opening up to our bodies as being receivers of information and be able to sense the experience of the animal that I was working with and I can remember the first time I that happened, if I can share it with you, I'd sure. gone to a horse and I was a young osteopath and so I got my treatment plan and it was in, the issue was with the low lumbar area, you know, so what we call lower back in humans with this horse and I'd done a couple of treatments and this horse was really gentle, beautiful, beautiful being and at the end of the treatment, she would always just very affectionately stand with me, just gently, gently touching her muzzle against my face. And we would just stand like that in this deep peace for a few minutes. Aww. It was so beautiful. Anyway, this visit, I guess it was about visit four or something. So I'd got my treatment plan in my head, like you do when you're a young practitioner. And there was nobody in the yard. It was very quiet. And so it was just me and the horse. And I went in and I did the treatment and I didn't get those moments of peace with the horse. And I remember thinking that at the end and thinking, oh, that's unusual. But anyway, and I was walking across the yard and I took my keys of my car out of my pocket. And as I got to the door handle of the car, like a really bad headache. And at that time in my life, I used to get a lot of headaches, but they were always right sided. And this particular headache was my left side. And as I opened the car door, thinking, that's really weird, why have I got a headache? I suddenly realised that actually it wasn't my headache. Yeah. I just, that knowing just dropped in from somewhere. <laughs> Don't leave yet. And so, I know. So I turned around and I went back to the horse who'd got a very fulsome forelock, lots of hair, you know, around his, her ears and, and down in her face. And when I lifted up, forelock there underneath it was one of those eggs that you get you know when you crack your head oh. on a corner of something you get a kind of egg comes up yes. so that's what the horse had done and of course as soon as it was recognized the horse lets me know oh thank goodness you know you've spotted that and and so I did some treatment and then we stood in our usual piece with oh. the muscle <laughs> So that was my first experience and I just thought it was a really interesting experience. And so then I wanted to know how do you make that happen, you know, because I couldn't always make it happen at that stage. And so I just began to work out that that stillness of mind for me and the quietness in the body and the connection into the earth, which then expands out into a connection with all of this beingness, this kind of, it feels like we're just immersed beingness all the time, that when I connected with that, 
that I would pick up that kind of empathic information that would show me what kind of pain there was and, and where it was and, you know, where the distress was or, or that there was an emotion that was stuck somewhere that needed releasing. Since then, it's developed. I'm in a bit of a conversation with a local bit further up this valley. There's some woodland and I've got some questions that I'm working with right now about sharing this work in the world having made this decision to step completely into this work feeling like there's a call for this mm-hmm. in the world in these times and so I've got some questions around me doing that and how do I be this person that can offer this work in the world and share it with people and guide people in this way with integrity with authenticity in all of my being and so there's a dialogue going on between me and this wood at the moment and two particular trees and specifically with their roots their oak trees and I call them the oak sisters because they're in a bank together quite close and so I spend quite a bit of time listening to what those trees have to say and there's a fox come in recently and joined in the conversation lovely and so you know I kind of receive that information in my body and through the electromagnetic field that the heart is producing because the electrom- an electromagnetic field is able to encode information within it and also to receive and understand encoded information from other electromagnetic fields. So there's this connection going on between us and I'm learning things through my dreams right now. I'm getting woken up by dreams and writing them down. So I believe that my intuitive capacity is beginning to, you know, is speaking to me in this, in terms of these questions through my dreams, through the connection with that fox up and the woods further up the valley and those trees in particular, but all of that. And also through a story that I've been sharing with a colleague that I collaborate with who's a storyteller. And that's one of the ways that I'm aware that story, it feels like sometimes some of the beings in the story are kind of moving in and out of my life and speak to me in different ways by leaving, you know, little signs like disturbance in the leaf litter. And then when I look in that disturbance, there's bones there which speak to a moment in that particular story which has been percolating for me around these questions about this work. So... Yeah, it feels like intuition speaks to me with a lot of richness. I think it's a journey to learn to trust it. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And then to act on it. Yes. Know, it takes a huge amount of courage. Yes. As you know, I know yes. some of your other people that you've spoken to in your podcast have talked about you get these intuitive knowings and then oh mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta find the courage to act on them. Yeah. But we are always, we're always carried through, I find. Like, we're always carried through. It's very interesting. And either there's this huge joy that comes or or we're given the strength to continue the path as we go. Like, 
or we're, we're encouraged by different ways that people or things show up in our path as we go. So it's, 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 it's a very interesting. It's always very interesting. So, so thank you so much for today. It's been wonderful to hear because there are so many ways it comes and for you to share all your stories throughout our discussion today has been really good. So I hope that it resonates with many people who are, are hearing trees talk to them or are feeling things that may not be their own symptoms or are just gathering information in ways that they didn't know they could. So thank you again, Kat, for your time today. Oh, no, thank you so much. I love sharing this. It's great to be able to have this conversation with you and to just maybe share some sparks out in the world, like you said, that mm-hmm. people maybe have some aha moments and feel inspired to connect with the life all around them. That's, that would be wonderful. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm looking forward to sharing you with the world. So thank mm-hmm. you again. Thank you. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.